0: right. Here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. Just after 8 o'clock. I'm Brian Feldman and this is Out of Line. We are here live same time every Sunday on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM and 1340 AM flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're coming to you live from the Wizden, also known as Spencer's Studio in Las Vegas. We are here because as you have heard many times, we've been booted from the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. studio until further notice, due to COVID. Uh, I did it! I did it! Due to COVID, pro, co- it was only a matter of COVID time. protocol. It was. It was. Man, you got to mess <laughs> uh, that. You just heard him here with me in studio. Uh, is our social media director Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky? Nobody beats
1: the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz.
0: That's right. The Wiz has his own theme music. Well-deserved. Also, with a social distancing back in the Fox Sports Residential Bancorp Studio is producer extraordinaire Chris Magnum Chapman. Mags also, uh, you've heard him many years. Uh, well, I should say since they've been in existence on Vegas Golden Knights Radio, UNLV Football, and all over many shows, including the main hockey show at Fox Sports Radio. Mags helps us out. And also joining the show in a little while, my friend and longtime sports broadcaster here in the Northern California. California, host of the T.C. Martin Show, T.C. Martin himself, and uh, we will be talking about a real good friend of ours. Uh, As I said, the rest of this month, every show, I'm going to dedicate a little bit to Frank Uh, ballpark Frank Harnish uh, a good friend of a lot of ours uh, at Lotus Broadcasting and anyone in the broadcasting community especially sports related in the Las Vegas area knows who Frank Harnish is and like I said Frank would hate this as he would want no attention called to him like this so Frank you know me and I'm a sarcastic uh, you know what so I'm gonna keep doing it (laughs) anyways listen the show's also streaming on the LV Sports Network and you can watch the show on Facebook live and YouTube the page is called out of line that's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E you can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, uh, your calls are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bay Corp studio line is 876
2: two-eight seven six-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for what's on tap
0: tap is brought to you by title sponsor residential bank corp funding america one neighborhood at a time right now residential bank corp offering twenty five hundred dollars free in closing cost to anyone and everyone that qualifies for a home purchase loan in the state of nevada call 702-964-5720 for information, once again, Residential Bay Court funding America one neighborhood at a time. On tap, well, the Vegas Golden Knights, after looking really strong, coming off two big wins Friday night. I don't want to say they laid an egg, but uh, didn't look great in their loss to uh, an under 500 Philadelphia Flyer team. And they're going to have to rebound quickly as uh, uh, the, tonight at 6, uh, they will be hosting the Minnesota Wild Best Team record-wise in the Western Conference right now, so that'll be an interesting game. We'll talk about that during nightcap, and Mags will join us for that segment. Also, as I mentioned, uh, T.C. Martin of the T.C. Martin Show is going to be joining the show. We'll talk a little bit about Frank Harnish, maybe some UNLV sports, maybe some Raiders. We'll see what we feel like talking about uh, when it comes to that. Speaking of UNLV, yeah, they've won their last two basketball games. Expected to win them both, but last night, big time performances by their star Bryce Hamilton and transfer star Donovan Williams. Both having over. thirty Thirty-point games, uh, basically between the two of them, they accounted for over two-thirds of the scoring of the uh, the running rebels. And um, really like what I see Kevin Kruger doing. We'll talk about the running rebels. Also, the Raiders six and six man uh, after starting real strong, three and zero this year, one and I believe five in their last six games. That's tough, and uh, it is going to be tough as they've lost a they've lost a couple now. Uh, tough games last week, a real close one to the Washington Football Team. But again, on the road in KC to play the division leading and AFC reigning champion. Kansas City Chiefs, man. We'll talk about that. I know Spencer's got, got some things to say about that and how he feels that game will go. Maybe how Rich Passaccia is doing in the interim job and if he'll keep it at the end of the season, we already know our opinions on that. Also, week 14 in the NHL, some really good matchups. Tampa, Buffett should be good and maybe the best monday night matchup of the year tomorrow between the cardinals and the rams although the rams kind of slide we'll see if matthew stafford can pick that up all that and more still coming up that is what is on tap once again brought to you by title sponsor residential bank corp funding america one neighborhood at a time and again offering $2,500 guaranteed free grant to anyone and everyone that qualifies for a home purchase loan in the state of Nevada. Call 702- 964-5720. Spence, let's get right into it. I'll say hello to everyone, but let's get right into a nightcap.
2: Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game.
3: It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here.
1: They have not won since until tonight. The 10-game losing streak is over for the Flyers. Carter Hart, terrific in net.
0: Mags. The Flyers are on a 10-game losing streak. They started looking like they might be okay this year. They've looked like garbage lately, but they didn't look like garbage uh, last night. I will say... Carter Hart played terrific in net. There were a lot of chances that he stopped that could have been goals and would have been goals maybe if he wasn't having the kind of night he was having, but still, you got to beat the Philadelphia Flyers, especially when, uh, you know, right now, 10th place in the Western Conference. I don't think it's big concern. I think Robin Leonard will do a fine job in net, and I love seeing the way Pacioretty has uh, performed since he's come back. I think 14 points in nine games, nine goals in that same span – two again on Friday night. But Chris, this team has got to play with some consistency and games at home against the Flyers. Maybe they look past them a little bit. I don't think that was the case. Again, I think great goaltending by Philadelphia, but you got to win those games.
3: Well, yeah, there was some concern from Pete DeBoer. Actually, I was the one who asked him on Friday morning about it potentially being a trap game. And, you know, Pete Pete said, yeah, there's definitely such a thing as a trap game in the NHL. And he was going to rely on his leaders to to kind of get that message across to the younger players. Um, Well, I guess the message really didn't get across because your penalty kill was abysmal for the second game in a row. In fact, it cost you now a game. You were lucky against Dallas because despite being 0 for 3 on the penalty kill, you found a way to come back and win that one. They were abysmal again against the Flyers. That cost them the game. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny they gave up a four-on-four four goal, which I know doesn't count as a, a penalty kill, but or a special teams play. But it's four-on-four, four. and the the other issue is your power play has been when it looked like they were turning the corner. Now they're back to where they were um, a few a few weeks ago, where they just look completely inept. Um, you know, Pete made the comment after the game that he was more concerned about the penalty kill than he was about the power play. I think he probably has a, a very fair point when he makes that 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 comment because the last couple games your penalty kill which is normally one of the best in the league hasn't looked so hot. Um you know and 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 he was not happy with the goaltending. I think Laurent Brossard probably would would like to have a few of the, I, I you know what I shouldn't even say that. I think every goalie always likes to have <laughs> have them back, but I think Laurent Brossard was was not sharp. Um, he played really well this season when when, when called upon, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's...
0: I, I just want to say one thing. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but, you know, Broussois, watching the four goals that Philly scored, you can comment on this, I really thought three of them were really tough goals to stop. One of them I thought he for sure he should have made the save on, but I really thought the three that went in, because of the position he was in, because of the traffic in front of the net, I'm not going to say those were gimme goals in the National Hockey League.
3: Well, no, no, but I, I do think that some of them were goals that National Hockey League goalies should save, um, you know, and, and here's the thing. I'm not going to pile on the backup goalie who is now playing, who played in his second consecutive game. Laurent Pressois played has played as good as anyone could have expected when he's been in there, so... Um, you know, there was one game, I think it was against Detroit, where he played, and look, it was just a, a a game where the Golden Knights played really well, and Detroit happened to just put a couple in. But I think other than that game, Laurent Brassois has been fantastic. You know, I mean, he he's definitely earned what they paid him to be the backup goalie. He's one of the better backup goalies in the league. So one off night from him, I'm not going to pile on. Look, it's not his fault that the team lost. The other night, it's not Robin Leonard's fault that the team fell behind to Dallas twice by multiple goals on uh, what was it Wednesday night. So the, the the thing is, the team needs to play better. That's the reality of it. I feel like they're becoming a little too more a little too reliant on Max Pacioretty on the power play because look, Max is on fire. Nine goals in his last nine games. He he's been absolute fire when he's been on the ice this season, but. When you watch that power play, it seems like there's not a lot of urgency outside of when Max gets the puck, and it seems like they're trying very hard just to get Max the puck. Shea Theodore needs to up his game a little bit, and I think he knows that. I don't feel like he's been at his best this season. The other guy who who I, I'll just point out, every time I watch him, I come away absolutely impressed is Alex Petrangelo. He was a guy who last year um, – I think I think some of us in the media and and some of the fans were very hard on, right? This is the highest paid guy on the team. He was the crown jewel of your free agency class the year before. He didn't meet expectations and and look, there's no excuses and Alex is, seems like the kind of guy who's going to tell you there's no excuses, but we saw it with Pacharetti his first year. There's a transition when you are the captain of another club and you move To a team. There's that comfort level. Then he broke his wrist. He got COVID. But by the playoffs last year, Alex Petrangelo was the best player on the Golden Knights. I'm putting it out there right now. So far in 2021. And this is not a knock on anyone else. I mean, look, Chandler Stevenson has had a phenomenal season for the Golden Knights. But Alex Petrangelo has been the best player night in and night out for the Golden Knights. And I don't even feel like it's debatable.
0: You know, Chris, I couldn't echo your sentiments anymore, man, not to jump on the same bandwagon, but, you know, a lot of people, when you look at the Vegas Golden Knights and you say they're best player and you look at stats-wise and especially last year in the regular season and the year prior, you would say, well, Mark Stone is the best player on this team. He's got the, we're in the sea. We all know of his struggles right now, and nobody's in his head more than himself trying to turn this thing around. Maybe there's some issues we don't know about, but, you know, you want to see Mark Stone successful, and as a matter of fact, without question make no mistake, he has to be successful for this team to make any kind of run in the playoffs. They are going to need Mark Stone to step up his game and get to the top level that we know he's capable of playing at. And of course, Patch like you said, Chris, it's been a blessing to see this guy come back from injury and just not only pick up where he left off, but actually exceed where he left off. And uh, just an offensive juggernaut right now to this point, nine games in for his season, has really been incredible. But you are absolutely correct. Alex Petrangelo is the the best player on this team, deserves to be paid the most money. We have seen it. How many times do you see this guy setting up a goal? I mean, he is constantly in the right place at the right time and uh, he'll block shots. He will do what it takes. I don't know that there is a better two-way defenseman in the National Hockey League than Alex Petrangelo. I'll say this, there might be a few as good. I'm not saying he's the best, but he is among the best. And right now, as Chris said, the best player on the Vegas Golden Knights. Make no mistake, what a move it was getting this guy. And I can't wait to see Jack Eichel healthy and on the ice because with him, Petrangelo, you've got two of the best players at their position in the National Hockey League playing on the same team. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and real quick, I I don't
3: think people should panic because the team right now is not where people predicted them to be preseason. Look, this team is, is I'm going to put it out there. When they get Jack Eichel back, they are, and I'm not going to say, you know, with, you know, like, oh, this is the Chapman guarantee. They are the best team in the NHL when Jack Eichel gets on the ice because he is going to change things so much that this team right now is going to look a hundred times better when they get Jack Eichel out there. Look, I mean, that's right now you stay above water, you stay in striking distance, but Tampa, and and, and this, this will resonate, the last two teams, and I know Tampa's gone back-to-back, but the St. Louis Blues, they won the Cup three seasons ago. They were in last place on New Year's Day. They won the Stanley Cup. They made the coaching change, the whole Gloria thing. Alex Petrangelo was a part of that, ironically. And then you look at Tampa last season. They had a ton of injuries. They finished third in their division And they were by far and away the best team. And it was clear when they won the Stanley Cup. I think the Golden Knights right now are very similar to those two teams in that, yeah, they're probably not where you would have expected a Stanley Cup winner to be at this point in the season. But the Golden Knights have dealt with unbelievable adversity. They have had more injuries than any team I can think of off the top of my head at this part of the season. Sure, over the over the season, every team's going to deal with injuries, but to go through as much as this team has had to go through in the first nine, ten weeks of the season is unheard of. When Jack Eichel gets on the ice with the Golden Knights, they are the best team in the NHL. That doesn't guarantee you're going to win a Stanley Cup, but on paper, Colorado, not there. Tampa, not there. The Golden Knights will be the team to beat when they get a fully healthy Jack Eichel.
0: You would think so, Chris. I mean, talent-wise, as you said, especially Shay Shea Theodore starts playing the way he's capable of playing. You get Martinez back and healthy, one of the best known as one of the best shot blockers in the National Hockey League. He is so good in front of the net. He's like a second goalie out there. You can't emphasize how much he means to this team. And and then again, you know, Carlson back and now scoring another goal last night, getting his second of the season. Chandler Stevenson, as we see, has developed into a very solid NHL player. And uh, I do like the outlook of this team but you know you mentioned tampa not there but tampa's a team that they could turn it on at any time and you know mentioning that the vegas golden now after tonight they've got to play the Minnesota Wild that is going to be really to me a telltale sign to see how they can come back from that loss against Philly and then play the best team in the conference one of the best teams in the National Hockey League right now and see how they do and then of course four games on the road it'll start against the Boston Bruins on Tuesday night and it'll end next Sunday against the New York Islanders and then they come home to face the two-time reigning the the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning so this next week Week is really going to be some tough, uh, tough road to haul for the Vegas Golden Knights, and we'll see how they do. I look forward to it, but I think, uh, you know, like you said, Chris, I don't think anybody should panic out there. This team knows how to win, and they definitely, most of these guys have plenty of postseason experience and that's what you play for anyways and you know this team was due to face some adversity I mean it has been a charmed life for the Vegas gold Knights through their first four seasons and now you know you face some adversity and you see how you come back from that I do think they'll be they'll be fine they will make the playoffs and they are a team that nobody is going to want to see in the postseason if they are healthy and have everybody on the ice trust me on that hey let's move on to the next segment I've been waiting for this also I want to get my friend and um, longtime sports Sportscaster Northern California here in Las Vegas, uh, his own show. I'm sure you've heard it uh, two to four weekdays every day on KSHB 1400 and on TCMartin.com. Um, TC is going to join the show. The last couple of years, he has had a very good friend of ours, um, Frank Harnish, uh, known as Ballpark Frank. To many of us, Frank of course was uh, the voice of the Vegas Insider show, the first ever show of the Vegas Golden Knights, which continues on today. And Frank was a uh, uh, part of the team that did the pre game and in between periods and post game show for the vegas golden knights the first two seasons they were here um frank uh, passed away a little over a week ago and um it's just been kind of a whirlwind uh, you know we all knew frank had been sick the last month and a half or so and um you know, got a chance to talk to Frank a couple of times. Also, uh, like I said, the last time I communicated with him was on Thanksgiving, and um, he'll be sorely missed, man. Just a great guy in the community, and Frank was uh, Mr. Sports in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, never, never shied away from talking about his, I'm, I'm, I'm adjusting my Detroit Lions hat, thinking of Frank up, up there, and uh, he'd be adjusting his Chicago Bears hat right now. But, uh, TC, welcome to the show, man. Great to have you on, my friend.
1: Hey, great to be with you, Brian.
0: Uh, you know, it, it was so cool when, when you know, things uh, kind of went south for Frank where he was. I don't want to talk a lot about that negative and stuff, but TC, you know, you jumped right on it. You, you contacted Frank and, you know, we all know Frank was kind of down because Frank lives for this man, lives to talk about sports on the radio. And, uh, you know, I've got a lot of friends with sports knowledge, you being one of them with great sports knowledge. Frank Harnish might have had as good a sports knowledge as anybody out there.
1: Yeah, and was well-rounded sports knowledge as well, too. And i think uh, a lot of fe- uh, people you know failed to realize if you've been around las vegas a long time you realize frank knows all sports because he used to you know do a variety of different sports you know talk shows but over the last four or five years uh most people know him like you mentioned for the golden knights and you know kind of a funny story about that you know in our building you know going back to 2017 when uh you know the golden knights that were coming to town and you know they were trying to produce a a insider show and find a host for the pre post and intermission report uh there wasn't a bunch of of people that were really that knowledgeable about hockey and frank would wear his uh, blackhawk shirt uh, you know uh, around the office you know a couple times a week and uh management said hey you're always uh, wearing your Blackhawk stuff. You, you know you must know hockey uh, you're our guy and the funny thing about that is frank would be the first to tell you that he wasn't that knowledgeable about hockey. He loved hockey like he liked all sports. But what impressed me the most is that once he got that gig, he dove into it headfirst and he show prepped like you would not believe each and every day because, I mean, none of us, you know, uh, again, you're getting, dealing with an expansion team. Uh, you're really not following the NHL that closely You here in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, no one has really, you know, covered hockey. Um, You know, on a a regular basis. And, uh, you know, Frank just dove into that right away. And then uh, whether it was, you know, the pregame show, the daily show, I mean, he would have notes after notes after notes. And it sounded like this guy's been covering hockey for 20 plus years. And, you know, that's what I appreciate about him, because whatever he put his mind to, uh, he was going to go full force with it.
0: You know, TC, really good point. I mean, Frank, you know, and also he was a sponge. I mean, when Frank wanted to learn something, he just did. And he he just had a desire to be as good as he could be. And like like TC said, you know, doing a number of shows with Frank, myself, having him on and getting a chance to do Rebel Extra. And we filled in for Cofield and company occasionally over. And he just came with a whirlwind of notes and be just was ready to go. And, 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 and as you mentioned, uh, you know, it is laughable because Frank, like I said, hockey wasn't his favorite sports he loved his blackhawks but man when he uh when he when he got into it when he got that gig you are 100 percent right he was all about the vegas golden knights learning everything he could and just became he became a whirlwind of knowledge and uh you know then he gets it into this unfortunate car accident like you know like all things he gets his dream job tc and we as we all know and then we hear he gets into an accident that almost kills him, and I mean, I never saw a guy fighting harder. He didn't want to get better to get better. He wanted to get better to get back on the Golden Knights broadcast. I mean, that was really like his motivation to get healthy. Every time I talked to Frank when he was out with that accident, that's all he talked about. I got to get back on the air. I got to get back to the Knights game. I'm like, Frank, you need to get healthy, brother, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's I was going to say it's a funny story, but, it, you know, it was kind of a sad story he was on his way to go do the show at a remote location the golden knights had an away game and he got t-boned unfortunately and it was a very serious accident i mean he could have died from that actually had a severe you know neck injury where they had to uh you know input screws you know in into his neck and he was in a neck brace as you remember you know for a very long time and uh, as he was uh, uh being carted to uh the hospital in the ambulance he started to get up and they go whoa 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 you what are you doing? They go, he goes, I got to go do this show. He goes, I've got to call the Knights game. They go, sir, you're not going anywhere. You're you're going to the hospital. And then 48 hours later, this guy is leaving the hospital and going back home. I didn't even get a chance to go visit him because Thank by you. the time I got the information where you're at and, okay, is it safe to come see you? He's out. <laughs> and he goes, no, I'm going back home. And he's recuperating. Next thing you know, a week later, he's, he's back at the office. He's in the neck brace and everything. And uh, management was saying, "No, no, no! You got to slow your roll here, uh, Frank. Uh, you're you're not ready yet." And he pushed it, pushed it, and you know, I think it was you know less than two months later, he was he was back on the road doing doing the show and and back at T-Mobile Arena again.
0: Listening to Adeline at Fox Sports Radio. I'm joined right now by TC Martin of the TC Martin Show. You can hear him every weekday, two to four. Great show, some incredible guests. Uh, follow him on Twitter at T.C. Martin 21 and of course tcmartin.com. You can hear him all over the globe. Uh, TC, you know it. You know when you, when I think whenever I think of Frank, like I just think of no nonsense. And Frank is just going to tell you like it is. And you know, but the one thing is when you think of guys like Frank, you know, rough around the edges. You don't think of a lovable, approachable guy. Frank was one of the most approachable people I've ever known. He just wanted to talk about anything. He'd blow your mind occasionally like mine, you know, tennis. I mean, this dude, it was just hilarious. His knowledge of tennis was just so vast. It's like, okay, frank, i'm I'm not even getting in the ring with you on this one,
1: yeah. he he had a love for tennis and just not you know, just the major tournaments and the men's, the women's. And I remember him always talking about, you know, going to the Red Rock. Uh, you know for you know one of the minor tournaments that would come through las vegas and he was he was so excited and you know actually frank you know had a a very good tennis career he played earlier he played in high school and uh uh, you know later played racquetball and and tried to play as much tennis as he possibly could he loved the racket sports and he loved talking about it's just not that brian i mean he loved talking about the olympic sports i mean once the olympics uh, rolled around he loved that as well and you know in going back to You know, getting that job uh, with the Vegas, uh, you know, Golden Knights and the Insider Show and the Pre-Post and Intermission Report, I remember. You know, when I asked him to to fill in for me when I would go on vacation, um, and then you know when he came to to join me uh, after uh, you know he he left Lotus, we we both left, and he just jumped at the opportunity because he goes, I love this because now I get a chance to talk about all sports because a lot of people. Thought that he was pigeonholed into just hockey and like you said if you've known frank for any you know sort of time you know that this guy has been doing sports for 20 plus years but you know for the most part you know the last uh you know three four years you know he was he was just doing hockey only so when he came over to join me you know for the last uh, year and a half uh he just he loved talking sports and he it was one of these things where he was one of the, the the greatest tag team partners that that i could have because he was a pro and that's what i appreciate about him. i mentioned his show prep and, and all that stuff but just his knowledge of all of these other sports was fantastic i mean he didn't need to show prep he would say hey what do you got planned for today and I, and I would tell him and it's not like we needed you know an hour show prep meeting or we need to exchange notes like a lot of you know you know hosts and co-hosts do Uh, just whatever I was going to talk about that day or whatever guest that I was bringing on, I mean, he, he just could just jump right in, uh, never, you know, uh, spoke over each other and we had a great chemistry, we had a great flow and it was just so enjoyable. And I think it came across the air that way.
0: Oh, there's no question. You know, the the knowledge between the two of you, man, I really enjoyed listening to the show. A lot of great laughs with Frank. He would just, like I said, he would just chime in with something that if if it didn't make you laugh, you weren't paying attention. I mean, it it was that good of stuff. And the one thing I can say, TC, first of all, I want to thank you again for the other night. Uh, TC hosted an event. Uh, We we went out to Twin Peaks, uh, one of Frank's favorite places, and I definitely know why, but I won't talk a great deal about that on the air. And you can see the board that TC had up. We all got to write a little note on the board. And uh, just a lot of us getting to talk about reminisce about Frank, but TC in closing with you today, I'll say this, that uh, right now, if Frank could come down, I know that he would smack me with something like, dude, why did you spend so much time on me on the show? frank was not a guy about accolades and about being in front of anything frank did this out of the love of his heart frank was a sports junkie and loved what he did as much as anyone i've ever met in this industry and he'd be so uncomfortable tc would he not just what would frank say if he knew i was doing this
1: (laughs) he would he would be totally embarrassed and the same thing with me too and we did the the tribute when, you know, we, we had uh, yourself and so many other people that, that chimed in, you know, last week just to say a few words about him. Uh, yeah, he'd be embarrassed. And even the time when he was in the hospital and even when he left the hospital to come back home the last few weeks of his life, he he said over and over, he goes, I am just amazed that I'm having this outpouring of, of love and support and he goes frankly he goes i'm i'm a little bit embarrassed because i don't know how to how to handle that because like you said he was he was a guy who was you know kind of to himself uh you know didn't open himself up much but again if you were in his circle i mean he was fantastic but the, you know going back to you know the, the the comedic approach i mean he had the the comedic one-liners all the time and that was what's so beautiful it just made you laugh and we had uh, you know such a great time with with uh all all of that but uh no fun loving guy was gonna do uh, his thing his own way and nobody faulted you know for uh, him for that i mean whether he was you know ranting and raving about something you know, running around the studio if some equipment didn't work and, and he was going ballistic we would just say well you know that's frank and then when it came you know you know time to deliver his witty one liners well there's frank at his finest again yep. just a genuine guy a great guy and in parting brian i'll say this uh, again i got to spend just about every day with him for the past you know, you know you know two three years and it is it was a joy because he was just a, a fun loving guy that had the biggest heart that anybody could ever imagine this guy went down to the blood bank sometimes multiple times in a week to give blood and if you needed something he was there for you and uh i think that's one, one of the the most beautiful things about Frank Harnish, Ballpark Frank, VGK Frank, is that uh, he had the biggest heart in the world.
0: He really did. He is T.C. Martin, the T.C. Martin Show. Catch him Monday through Friday, at 2 to 4. Tcmartin.com, at T.C. Martin 21. Follow him on Twitter. You can also hear him locally here in Las Vegas on 1400 AM KSHB. T.C., always appreciate you. Look forward to having you on again soon, and keep doing great stuff. And, man, look at the background, Spence. Why does his background look so much better than mine, for God's sakes? We appreciate you, man. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Brian. Take care, guys.
0: Absolutely. Let's uh, transition over uh, to, um, I think, C. Wynn. We got him up on, uh, on, uh, on here as well. And uh, I wanted to talk next about and see, of course, joining us last week. We talked a lot about Frank Harnish. I'm not going to give Frank another 30 seconds of airtime because if I do dead air and do that with Frank, and if he can, he'll come back and he'll haunt me. I know he will. So I'm going to stop right there. We'll move on to UNLV basketball. Something pleasurable because yesterday, Chris, was a really cool opportunity for both of us. You know, we went and saw the UNLV running Rebels play Hartford at uh, Michelob Ultra Arena at the Mandalay Bay and we got to sit at the scores table something you don't always get to do but because it was kind of a event, large pace the scores table stretched the entire left of the floor there were like four empty seats over by uh, the Hartford bench so I had sat there the first half went and got you and Brian Shapiro and, uh, and uh, David came over with us as well we ended up sitting there and I told you guys before you came over, I sat there because I had heard that the Hartford coach, John Gallagher, was an entertaining guy. And I told you guys you're going to love him. I don't know what your thoughts were when I first said that to you, but after about three minutes of sitting in the seat in the second half, you're like, wow, you, you were 100% right. How great was it watching that UNLV game yesterday?
2: Yeah, first off, Brian, great, great to be on with you and uh, Wiz and Mag and the guys. Look, yeah, it was it was a unique experience, right, Brian, because we get a chance to cover UNLB basketball, obviously, for years. And uh, uh, it, because they moved over to the Michelobolch Arena because of the rodeos in town, obviously it's very liberal as far as the seating, right? Whether it's the media, whether it's the fans, you know, there's just all kinds of places available. So so Brian Feldman, he gets the catbird seat for the first half. He's <laughs> right there next to the coaching staff of the Hartford Hawks. So myself, of course, you mentioned, and the other guys, we, we mosey on over and we're like, you know what I'm, Let's see what this is going to be all about here in the second half. And you mentioned, of course, John Gallagher, the coach of Hartford, a guy who uh, came up as a player, was was uh, played at St. Joe's actually with uh, Delonte West and uh, Jameer Nelson under Phil Martelli, the legendary coach there. So I, w- I was kind of expecting him to be animated, but uh, it was it was quite uh, it was quite the experience to say the least. Uh, all kinds of uh, profanity 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 laced. Uh, developing situations going on, you know, I mean, and, and, and Brian, when you say we were right there, like normal people out there they're thinking, you know what? Yeah, they're probably, you know, a row back or whatever, or maybe a couple rows back uh, behind the bench. No, Brian, you and I were right there. Like I could reach out and grab Gallagher at any time that I wanted to right there on the bench. It was crazy. And so, uh, so we heard everything. We heard everything from, you know, his, his, uh, Correspondence with the officials, obviously as players and as assistant coaches, you're right there. Not necessarily experience that you normally get. And uh, uh, John Gallagher did not disappoint. Let's put it that way. We're all uh, here in the Mountain West Conference, obviously covering UNLV. Uh, it's unfortunate that we're not going to be able to get a chance to uh, experience the John Gallagher experience, game in and game out, because he, of course he's in the America East Conference with Hartford. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was it uh, was very memorable. Let's put it that way. Unique especially for a coach who, you know, who was so affable, You thought we talked about Frank, ballpark Frank, obviously, right? So after the game, everybody out there, right, after they lost by 20 points to UNLV, John Gallagher turns around to us sitting there at the scores table. He's like, hey, how you guys doing? What's going on? <laughs> little You know, little chatter back and forth after the game, you know, getting a little small talk in. And uh, we, we, you know, conversed with him. We talked about how he, he seemed a lot like a young Larry Eustace, you know, that kind of coach, a fiery guy, uh, you know, who is going to be entertaining to, uh, to, to watch for years to come. He was, uh, look, he's in a tough spot there as a team that was 1-8 on the season. But uh, I don't think there's any question he's a guy that uh, will probably get that program turned around. But uh, as you pointed out, Brian, it was, uh, it was a fun, unique type of experience on a Saturday afternoon. Down at Niccolo Vulture Arena for uh, Rebels Hawks.
0: Well, it is, and they won the me, they won the American East tournament last year. Went to the, uh, the the NCAA, which was really cool for him. But as Chris said, he could have tap, reached over and tapped us and had us go into the scorer's table. We were we were we were sitting as close to the players, and it was really cool. What's funny is you mentioned the profanities, and meanwhile, his good luck charm. He keeps reaching his pocket and pulling out a rosary. Spencer, I think he got us some video <laughs> that I took at the game of him actually reaching in his pocket. And meanwhile, he'd swear there'd be six. F bombs drop, and then you reach in the pocket and grab the rosary. And it was really cool, Spencer. I don't know if you can roll that. That kind of gives you an idea of where Chris and I were sitting, but that was his rosary. Right. He kept pulling it out, and uh, well, maybe maybe they would have lost by fifty if he didn't have the rosary. Who knows? But it was really cool to uh to witness that. <laughs> one of the one of the greatest one-liners, Chris, that we just—I mean, all of us just busted out. So, anyways, you know, Hamilton went off. He had thirty-two points. Great game for him and Donovan Williams, as I said, sixty-one points between the two of them, um, or most no, sixty-four, three points between the two of them. You know, over two-thirds of the team scoring. Uh, mm-hmm. Over 95 points UNLV scored, which was really cool. But those two really went off. And at one point, Hamilton hits this three-pointer, and he kind of got open on the perimeter. And and you see Gallagher yell out to him. He goes, he goes you're making him look like an NBA, like an NBA star when I would not even take him in a pickup game. And we just busted out laughing. It's like, are you kidding me? I mean, none of us believe that. We know Gallagher would probably pick him first in a pickup game. But in the same respect, what a great cliche. And just the way he kept going on. And it was a, it was so entertaining it was worth the price of admission and what a great opportunity you know sometimes you know we get opportunities like that Chris and that's what I do this for is the opportunity to get that close and really get to know the person as outside of it you know who I just had heard John Gallagher was a very animated guy so I I was hoping I could get close to him and I did and uh, and he was so much better than I expected. I hope he's been there for a long time. I hope he gets some recognition because maybe he's figured it out. And I think you know, you look at his fire and his his enthusiasm for the game. Um, he looks like a guy that could coach at the you know at the highest collegiate level. I think.
2: Oh, there's no question about it. And you talked about you know kind of his approach, right, and his attitude. Uh, they lost by 20 to UNLV, right? And he was able to uh, still be someone who was uh, you know. Uh, I don't want to say in a good mood. I, I mean, I think he's just eternally in a good mood. But to have the uh, the back and forth and the banter with us after the game, after you just got whacked like that by UNLV and uh, gave up 95 points in that game, uh, that was uh, that was kind of interesting to see. Let's put it that way. And uh, yeah, you you mentioned it, Brian. Look, I mean, there's it was uh, it was not something I expected. Let's put it that way. When I went to the game uh, at noon, okay, at Michelob Ultra Arena here in Vegas for the Hartford. U N L B running rebels game that was uh, not an experience I expected so that was kind of cool kind of cool to be part of.
0: No, it really wasn't, Chris. Uh, you know, not that we made the segment about the Hartford Hawks. You know, UNLV yesterday, a game they should have won. They won by 20, but to see them score 95 points, no question. Donovan Williams, what a great find in the portal to get a guy like him uh, from a from a big program to come to UNLV. And this guy's going to get some looks. I saw I saw some real talent. We put it this way: I don't know that Donovan Williams will be an NBA player, but put it this way: he's got a future in Europe. This guy will be a professional basketball player, if not here overseas, and we'll make some money at that. And of course, you know, Chris, the head scratcher is every now and again, we see Bryce Hamilton make make an absolute NBA all star move. And then he disappears. And, I mean, the consistency is a is a concern. It's a concern at this level and a concern at the other level. His ability and talent is no concern of mine whatsoever. It is keeping that motor running for the, the full 40 minutes of a basketball game. If Bryce Hamilton can do that with the complementary players that they have and – and, uh, you know, and Jordan McCabe can stop trying to throw these ridiculous alley-oops and just play point guard and stop trying to be special. And we don't need a YouTube sensation at point guard. UNLV needs a guy that can distribute the basketball and hit the perimeter jump shot and play some defense. And those are the things I think he needs to focus on. But, again, back to Bryce Hamilton, if he can play with consistency, Chris, 40 minutes and the complimentary players like Williams, and, again, we got to see Royce Ham Jr. play better, but – UNLV is a team that could you know, surprise some teams in the Mountain West Conference this year.
2: Absolutely, and uh, you talked about uh, the plays there in the second half, and I, of course I brought that question up to, to Coach Kruger after the game, and he, t- and he kind of brushed it off a little bit, saying, look, we're just trying to have fun, and it, it's, it's fine if they complete the play, but if it doesn't work, that's where it, it comes down and ends up looking like the hot dog play, right? And the one that you that the unnecessary one, that you don't need. But that being said, it was a, it was pretty impressive offensive performance, you know, almost putting a hundred spot up there. You talked about Bryce Hamilton, obviously Williams, both offensively explosive games. And and you're absolutely right. When it comes to Bryce Hamilton, there are points out there where he makes plays that you look at him, you say, you know what, that's an NBA guy, right? That's a guy that's going to be playing at the next level. Uh, It's just a matter of him kind of harnessing that and consistently playing that way. Uh, especially on the offensive end so but you you got to be uh, happy if your if you coach Kruger and his staff that they're able to put some points up like that yes it was the last two games against the likes of Seattle and Hartford and uh, it's going to get tougher going along as we get uh, into conference play here but that being said uh, I think you think there's uh, a lot of reasons to be optimistic out there if you're a running Rebel fan for this team here in uh, 2021-22.
0: He is Chris Wynn. You can follow him on Twitter at Christian Wynn. And that is Win with two Ns and with an I, not a Y. Uh, Chris, always appreciate you joining the show and you know, talking about the Rebels and what's coming up. They've got two more games that they should win both these games. And then they go then they start Mountain West conference play and it's going to be tough and uh, that's what I asked coach at the you know the end of the press conference yesterday is what this team you know like what he wants to focus on and what he thinks the biggest areas of improvement will be and we have that uh, we have that right now coach a couple games left before the mountain West uh, schedule starts your biggest areas of focus and concern uh, leading up to the mountain West conference team started. Yeah, our big uh, area of
4: focus, uh, I think, is really just going to be these last couple games. It's just to, to to sorry to continue to show the guys what works. You know, when they're when they're in a stance and ready, and their hands are out and they're pointing and they're talking, uh, they can be really good. And then when we're we'll, when they're not, we can struggle. Uh,
0: yeah, you know, and that's and, and that's really it in a nutshell. He's a hundred percent when they're good and they're on, Chris. This team, and we saw that against Wichita State, that game really showed to me, out of all the games they've played so far, the potential of this team when their point guard, Jordan McCabe, plays well. We saw some incredible passes in that Wichita State game, a behind-the-back pass and a three-quarter court pass that only the best can make, so we know the ability is there, but... There's got to be consistency, but again, they play like that night in and night out, and Coach Kruger can find a way to push the right buttons on this team. I'm not going to say the sky's the limit. That would be ridiculous. That would be like uh, when Caleb Herring said that the defense of UNLV was playing lights out, and I said the only time you say lights out when you talk about UNLV football is when they turn the lights out in the stadium. But uh, but the truth of the matter is, this team can, I think, compete with anybody in the Mountain West on a game-to-game basis if they play their best get basketball. And I'll tell you what, come tournament time, if this team... You know, all these players that we see, they've got a hell of a freshman uh, that didn't play in the first half, by the way. And uh, Coach Kruger wouldn't talk about that. It was a disciplinary thing. But the point yeah. is the, the majority of these these guys, if they all play together and the top echelon talent like Williams and, and Hamilton play their best, this team could surprise. And, you know, I wouldn't, you know. How far? How far could they go in the Mountain West tournament? Well, let's see how they do this year. But I am impressed, Chris. I really am, and I really like the philosophy, and I like the presence of Coach Kevin Kruger. I think that this guy can create a new culture here at UNLV, given given time, you know. And uh, and obviously, as they start to stipend college athletes, given the wherewithal to do that.
2: Yeah, and I think what we kind of uh, – I don't want to say ignore, but we kind of look past is that Kevin Kruger is still, you know, obviously relatively young in his head coaching career. You know, I mean, this is – we are Kevin's still trying to figure out what he's going to be as a head coach for this team. And you brought up, of course, uh, Bryce Hamilton, obviously Williams. They're probably going to be the offensive anchors of this team. You expect Hand to be a solid double-double guy for this team moving forward. And McCabe and the rest of the supporting cast, whether it's Josh Baker and some of these other guys, are going to have to contribute, Brian – to your point as to whether or not they're going to be a real contender in the Mountain West, right? You're going to have to get those other guys going. They're on, on any given night. You're not going to get the 30 plus out of a Bryce Hamilton. You're not going to get a monstrous offensive performance out of Williams. So you're going to need some of these other guys to step up. And uh, they have the guys that are absolutely capable of doing it. And uh, it starts with McCabe. It starts with with Josh and these other guys to you know find a way where they can they can uh, you know pick and choose and, 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 and get their spots where they uh, end up being big-time factors for this team moving forward.
0: I agree 100% and the guy we were talking about the freshman Keyshawn Gilbert remember that name he's yeah. a true freshman and this kid the one thing I love about him yes he can do the offensive stuff but he can play defense and defense isn't a word you talk a lot about UNLV talking football or basketball hey let's be real that's an area that's been lacking and the bottom line is one of the oldest cliches in sports defense wins championship Keyshawn Gilbert is a two way player for UNLV and as he moves on his career this guy in three years from now will be the star of this basketball team, I truly believe that he is Chris Wynn again, at Christian Wynn follow him on Twitter, Chris is all over the place, you can hear him many times on different shows in Las Vegas, appreciate you Chris
2: Hey, have a great Sunday everybody, uh, enjoy it, it's loaded up again sports everywhere
0: Can't wait, the Raiders starting soon, uh, time for Fact This Fact This Fact This If you don't like the facts take your ass back to bed Fact This After last night's game at the Philadelphia 76ers, Steph Curry needs seven three-point baskets to break Ray Allen's all-time NBA record of 2,973. This will more than likely happen this week against the Pacers, uh, Magnums, Knicks, or the Celtics. My question, aside from being the greatest long-range shooter of all time, Wiz, I'll ask you first, where does he rank amongst the greatest players of all time
4: he's a very hard player to judge because we know in basketball whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins right and Steph Curry's very good at putting the ball in the hoop but you know he is the greatest shooter of all time not disputable Brown can say whatever he wants about it oh it's hard to judge No, he's the best shooter that's ever touched the court but you gotta look at the other areas of his game he's a good passer not a great defender he doesn't seem to make the plays that the all-time greats do so it He's somewhere in the top 10, but I don't think he's at the very like, top five of my list. Somewhere in the top 10.
0: I think that's a really good assessment, Spencer. I think if I was to pick an NBA uh, top five team on the court, he wouldn't be there. There's no chance he would be one of the top five. As good as he is, not that he wouldn't be on the bench if I've got 12 players, he's going to be on that team but I don't know that he would be in the top five. I mean, I'm looking at my backcourt. I probably got Magic Johnson and 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 Michael Jordan back there at guards. I might, probably move Michael Jordan up to small forward and put Isaiah Thomas back there. I'm partial, but I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at the center. You got Will Chamberlain. You got a lot of guys to consider, but Steph Curry... The greatest shooter of all time, no question about that, about to become the greatest three-point shooter of all time. When it comes to a perimeter game, not many better than Steph. The problem with Steph and the knock on him always has been, he can't cover the best player on the other team. He's not going to be put on that guy because he is not a great on-ball defender. He's just not, and that's that's always been a knock on Steph. But you know what? Will I take him and start him at guard on my team any day of the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you name the day, he is that good but again the greatest of all time top 10 top 12 yeah i'll say so top five no way that's yeah, just where i'm going the
4: one thing you can say about steph curry and i'm not trying to undermine him at all is that he other than probably michael jordan he influences the way the game is played probably more than anyone else in history you have to make your entire game plan around making his life as tough as possible. And very, very few players that we've ever seen in the court you have to do that for well yeah, Joel- and,
0: and and here's the amazing thing about, about Steph, like they played him tough they did Exactly what you said, Spencer. They were denying Steph Curry left and right, and ultimately they, Philadelphia ran away with it in the in the fourth quarter, but they were just denied, denied three of 14 from the field yesterday, or I should say from three-point land yesterday. He scored 18 points in the game. But uh, Steph Curry, man, is a lot of fun to watch. And what I'll say about Steph Curry is he re, re-revolutionized the NBA, because now it is, since he has come into the game, everybody, and I mean everybody is trying to shoot three-pointers, he really has again, changed the culture of the NBA to making it a perimeter basketball game. And Steph Curry's a big reason it is that right now, and that, that the perimeter shot is such a special part of what the NBA is today. So, you know, but greatest of all time, again, I'll say top 12, top five. No way. I'm not going to go there. Let's quickly get to the bone, Spencer, and uh, the, talking about the, the Las Vegas Raiders. Before we do that real quick, though, before, real quickly, I want to say one other fact, and I want to get this out before I run out of time on the show. Fact. Detroit Lions fans, I'm disgusted with you. All my friends in Detroit, I'm disgusted with you. What are you glorifying one win for and glorifying Dan Campbell for? Hey, Dan Campbell did something that anyone is going to do based on the Oxford, you know, what happened at Oxford High School. He did the right thing. It was wonderful what he did. I'm glad people called attention, but trust me, anybody that would have been the head coach of the Lions would have done the same thing. It's kind of an obligation. Michigan, Michigan State, you saw everyone do it, okay? So, you know, he's a lousy coach, in one win, you know what that win does? It takes the crap off the Shinola because now everybody has done talking about the Detroit Lions. We needed them to stay in the news. We needed them to go without a win this season, so everyone kept talking about them. And people would start understanding they've won one playoff game in the Super Bowl era. I'm tired of having these rants, but please don't glorify one win in Detroit. Trust me, it would have been better for them to lose every game with that lousy tie against the Steelers because then Sheila Hempford would have have more problems and which we again having everyone talking about selling team now the one win now no one has to talk about the lions anymore they got their one win stop it please don't glorify a win they're garbage and they need to change the culture and the culture stops at the top starts at the top sheila hemp ford sell the damn football team or ford hemp whatever the hell all right enough of that the bones we only got a few minutes spencer Probably one of the biggest games. Well, I know for us, it starts at ten o'clock today in Kansas City. Chiefs on a major roll, as we know. The Chiefs started slow. They've won five in a row, six of their last seven games. The Raiders going in the other direction, one and four in their last five games. This is going to be a tough road to haul. But the Raiders play the Chiefs well. It's an ancient rivalry. Any chance today they win this game?
4: There is a chance, and I actually think they will win, my bold prediction. It's so funny. Everyone knows I'm a diehard Raiders fan, so they expect me to come on and just be so mad. But here's the thing about the Raiders. They're not a bad football team, and that's actually kind of exciting to say. For the first time in probably 18 years, this is a decent football team. But they're just okay, and that's the problem. They're very middle of the road. and They lose to the Washington football team, and they could beat the Chiefs today. We know that. You know, hopefully next year all this stuff gets cleared up. We know all the you know the off-the-field issues that they've had this season. But, you know, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But, you know, this is a division rivalry. Anything can happen. It doesn't matter how bad the Raiders are against any team in the AFC West. They can win any time. And the same goes for every AFC West opponent, too.
0: Well said, Spence. But, you know, and, and I will say... That to me, the big thing with the Raiders, and I don't know his health, but as much as I heard Foster Moreau and everyone glorify, hey, this is a great backup tight end, a great, he might be. And Foster Moreau is a tough guy. He understands football, he's got a high football IQ, but Make no mistake. I mean, Darren Waller is one of the top three tight ends in the National Football League when he's healthy. You know, I don't know that as much as I love Kelsey and Kittle and and Andrews, I don't know that I wouldn't take Waller first when he's healthy. That's how good I think he is. He's a game changer. And when you don't have him in there, it puts so much more pressure on Derek Carr right now with his depleted uh, his depleted skill level, skill players at the wideout position. Um, Darren Waller's just gigantic, and I don't know do you hear if he's playing today or not. I know that, that he practiced a little bit. I don't know whether he was playing. Spencer's looking it up right now as we run out of time, but I think he's going to be key. A couple of other games while Spencer looks for that that are huge, that are huge today. Uh, Baltimore and Cleveland should be a great game in Cleveland. I'm looking forward to that one. The Cowboys at the Washington uh, football team, I think the winner of that game is going to win the NFC East. Uh, it'll probably be Dallas. And the 49ers um, at the Bengals, another good game. The 49ers are playing really good football. Their defense is getting healthy. Really good running game is always 6-6 six six against 7-5 Bengals. The, day, the game of the day, the Bills at Tampa Bay. The Bills looking to rebound, and Tampa Bay looking to kind of find stride, although they keep winning, of course, Tom Brady. And the best game of the week, again, tomorrow night, the Rams, the Cardinals. Last thing I'll say, hey, how about Juliana Pena? She took down the lioness, submitted her in the second round, uh, and that is, of course, Amanda Nunez goes down last night in the UFC. Really, really surprised. Shocked the world. Shocked me. Good fight. we got to have the sports distra on Cassandra Cousineau, maybe next week we'll get a hold of her to talk about that. I'm sure she was there, and I'll have something to say. Listen, we're out of time. I want to thank T.C. Martin, C. Wind for joining the show. As always, Spencer, the Wiz Ostrowski, and back in studio.